What is up, my people? Welcome to Fellowship Bible Church's Sermon Spotlight, where we're coming at you each and every week with a fresh service to debrief in an effort to send biblical truth. And what better way to do that than the power of conversation? I am Mark Francis, your host for today. And Merry belated late Christmas to everyone. It's exciting to, to know that the season is, uh, has come and gone, but we have a lot to unpack and dive into. With me again, we have our fabulous, beautiful co-host, Miss Alicia Battaglia. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Awesome. Merry and Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. And we also have Pastor Mark Carey. How are you? Good. Happy New Year. Hap- yeah. Getting really close. This, yeah. You know, this, this week of the year is, is funny to me because it feels like things just kind of shut down. It's like people feel the, they feel empowered to say, I'm not going to do work this week, and kind of, you, you just get a chance to unwind. But you not guys, us. No. Here we are. <laughs> Here we are. <laughs> yeah. There, I, there's this funny meme that I saw, and uh, it it's this, before the holidays, December 1st through the 26th is festive, and then the 27th through the 31st is confused, not sure what day it is, and full of cheese. Yeah, and <laughs> like, tired. I can relate. Yeah, and then you got to regroup and re- rebuild into the new year. Well, we're going we're gonna to debrief, and we're going to launch us into the new year here today. So before we even get into the sermon, I just wanted to share that it was kind of the conclusion of a four-week series called The Humble King, and a part of that series was Christmas Eve. And and I know that you guys got a chance to attend. And just before we get into kind of sermon content, I just want to give both you guys the option and opportunity to kind of just share your Christmas experiences here at FBC, maybe even in your home. Yeah. So we, our family, except for my middle son, he had to work, but we all attended the three o'clock service and it was so wonderful. It was wonderful just to be back and to um, hear scripture read and sing songs together. That was the mask wearing experience it for was, everyone. It was it was fine. It Good. was fine. We were able to sing and actually it was kind of funny cuz uh, there was a couple times where I messed up on the words but I'm like, "Oh, Nobody can see me messing up the words, <laughs> <laughs> but it was really good. And I tell you, the the um, the last song that we sung, sung, and I printed out the words because it went right along with um, the sermon, the stanza two, which hmm. we can talk about mm-hmm. later. But Isaiah forty, the the song, "Behold Our God," which every time we sing that song, I am undone and I'm crying and just uh, my heart is just so full of worship but um it is just the chorus behold our god seated on his throne come let us adore him behold our king nothing can compare come let us adore him Hmm. and um i just i was i that it comes from isaiah 40 and it's just beautiful and um it just helped it helped me to i uh, I was singing the song all week uh, after, cool. and it helps us to see how big and wise and grandiose God is, and nothing thwarts His purposes. And and people think of that song as uh, as an all encompassing song, or maybe even an Easter song because it speaks to yeah, the cross. Right, right. But the the fitting with "Come, Let Us Adore mm-hmm. Him," and you know, I, I'm all into creative storytelling, and be able to have that story come full circle from the beginning of that service to the end of yes. recognizing the majesty of the king to then concluding with the glory of the king. Yeah. And then your sermon yeah, really I talk, highlights yeah. that too. I talked with um, someone Sunday who came up after the service and just wanted to express appreciation to the worship team and mm. everybody for 
because he he got it. He saw the weeks mm -hmm. of, of of the the themes, and then the all all brought together yeah. in that one hour mm -hmm. uh, um, Christmas Eve service, and then the Sunday sermon that brings it all together as the King. Yeah, it was um, well done, worship team and everybody yes. involved. Um, it was a it was a rich month, I think, of uh, of worship and yeah. then culminating in those services and. A lot of work, uh, you know. A lot of work for our 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 worship teams and tech teams and facility people and the volunteers and and thank you to everyone. I mean, right. we had over ninety people volunteer, yeah, and, and over nine hundred and fifty people attend over the course of the six services. Yeah, so there is definitely a significant impact that was made, and then the the unknowns who are watching it online as well. Mm -hmm. So thankfully, we're able to reach over thousand of pe people yeah. or so to, to really hit the gospel. And, and I'll, I'll speak from the worship team. We love doing it. So, you know, it is work, but we love being able to prepare. And it's so encouraging to see a service come together that you've thought through and prayed through and talked about and discussed and poured over for weeks on end mm -hmm. to then see it come together. And for me, from my personal experience, it was neat to see the many different gospel presentations because for those of you watching or yeah, listening at home, you, you only saw one gospel right. presentation. Who, well, there was who was there for all six services? Six different people. So y there was a uniqueness to each service really based off of who was presenting the gospel and, and kind of the stories that were woven in that mm -hmm. six to eight minute time. Mm -hmm. uh, it, yeah. was, it was neat for me to see different pieces of the worship time come together based off of what was really shared and the message that was given. That's so mm -hmm. it, was, it was fun. That's, I mean, it's too bad we missed that, but, you know, because it's not captured. And, yeah. But I heard this. Yep. Uh, man, I was at the 5 o'clock, and that's all I was at. That's a 5 o'clock. Uh, but it, other people were at the other services, and it just it all worked it's, well. It's neat to see the Spirit lead in planning, yep. need to see the Spirit lead during the service, and then hear the follow-up of how the Spirit's working because of the service. Mm -hmm. So I love that. Yeah. But Mark, I'll come to you, because we're really we're wrapping this up with the sermon this past week, getting a chance to kind of unpack this, this concept of Christ declaring that he is the king and going to, to Psalm 2. Wh where was the thought process in, because there's plenty of other in his own words that we could have chosen, and why was this one impactful to, to wrap up this time? Well, in, in going through, try, in looking at the passages each, um, in, in, the pre, in the previous weeks as we were preparing, what did Jesus say about why he came? Yeah. And so that those were the key things, and there was m many passages we could have could have gone to, and we went to, to to the ones we did. But it was uh, it was that John eighteen passage that um, stuck out to me a little bit, where he is before Pilate, "Are you a king? Uh, you know, are you the king of the Jews?" And and um, um, you know, when Jesus says, "My kingdom is not of this world," in verse thirty six of John eighteen, if my king were of this world, then my servants would be fighting that I would not be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not of this realm. So are you a king, Pilate asked. And Jesus said, you say correctly that I am a king. I mean, he affirms that, hmm. that, that truth, I am a king. But then he said, for this I have been born. So it, it was just, you tied that, here is Jesus at the end of his life, hmm. hours before he dies, bringing back the... The birth narrative, in a way, yeah, neat. and then all the the talk of the angel Gabriel, uh, Luke chapter one, 
that uh, you know you're you're going to give birth, get, get, have a son, and you're going to call his name Jesus, and he'll sit on the throne of his father David, and there'll be no end to it. And he got all these rich um, Isaiah nine and the 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 the, the, the prophecies of the coming king. Hmm. And here he is, hours before he dies, standing before the most powerful person in, in Judea, the Roman governor affirming, are you a king? And affirming, yes, I am a king. And for this purpose, I have been born. Yeah. Um, it's neat to see it tied back together of the birth. Yeah, the, it the just... It, reason for, why he's there. The, the, the Sunday after Christmas and tying all this, the humble king and all of the, the this kind of Advent season that we were focusing on, mm -hmm. it just seemed to be a great passage mm -hmm. to conclude this, um, this series at. Yeah, that's neat. Alicia, I'll come to you. What kind of was your big takeaway and from the sermon and what did you find impactful? Yeah, so um, following that unlikely king from John, you dove into Psalm 2 with the promised king and you had a third, fourth, and fifth point, which is you talked about the suffering king, the victorious king, and the coming king. But the Psalm 2 passage just really hit home for me and um, I, I gleaned so much. I, I really have not dug in and really studied this passage. Um, but one thing that really stood out to me is in the stanza two, which is verses four through six, and I'll go ahead and read it. Um, he who sits in the heavens laughs, the Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury saying, as for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. And I thought that it was really interesting that in saying that God's not being cruel um, in his laugh and he's being just. Um, so that was one thing that really stood out to me. And then also, if we go on to verse eight, um, and I'll read that. Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. And a question popped into my head about how can Jesus be given the nations when he created the nations? Um, <laughs> but I, so I, I dug into that this morning and I looked at Matthew 4, 8 through 10, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Philippians 2, 5 through 11, mm -hmm. Hebrews 1, 1 through 5, and Revelation 5, um, just for those who are listening at home. And, um, and I saw that in his humanness, he fulfills the promise to David and Jesus receives his kingship over the nations by his perfect life, his death, resurrection. And for us believers, it is after his resurrection that we have received the Great Commission. And it's the lamb slain who is the only one who has the right to open the scroll and judge the nations. So, Pastor Mark, would you be willing to unpack that a little bit more about um how Jesus was given the nations in his humanness and how that his resurrection is like, ah, oh, now. Well, yeah. Um, of course, Psalm 2, is, it, it is poetic language. So the, it's, it's, um, it's Hebrew poetry, but the implication here is um, uh, it, it ties back... It goes back to verse seven, where he, where the, the son is talking here, in verse seven. I will surely tell of the decree of Jehovah. 
he said to me, you are my son, today I have begotten you. But he, so he ties it back to the decree. And I think, and I believe that that decree he's alluding to, and I think people reading the psalm as it, as it was written would have certainly understood this. The decree goes back to 2 Samuel 7, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what's called the Davidic covenant, that, um, you know, I will, um, uh, there'll always be a David someone in the, your lineage, uh, your son will will sit on that throne and will reign forever. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course we think, well, that was Solomon. Well, yeah, Solomon in some form or fashion fulfilled, but it was not the ultimate because he departed from the Lord. He did not sit on the throne forever. Mm-hmm. And um, so th- the decree was that there would be a Davidic lineage, perpetual. And so when when... Gabriel comes to Mary and said, this is the one who's going to sit on the throne of his father David and will reign forever. Everybody knew that was the he was going to be the fulfillment of the Davidic promise, hmm. that this is the one. And Mary said, how can this be? Um, so that, that whole, so, so that brings up volumes of prophetic um, anticipation throughout all. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially Isaiah. Mm-hmm. We, we go back to all the sermons we did on Isaiah. I mean, Isaiah is just replete with prophecies about a coming king, about mm-hmm. this, this, the fulfillment of all, all this. And um, so when, when in this po- poem of Psalm 2, I will tell of that decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me. And I will surely give the nations as your inheritance and, and the very ends of the earth as, uh, as your possessions. Again, in this poetic poetry form, uh, genre, it is this, um, the, the son is, the, the father, Jehovah God is saying, you are the rightful heir. It all comes to you um, uh, because you are the promised one. You are, the, you are my son. And today I have begotten. Today I have coronated you. I've declared it. Yeah, that word begotten. Resurrection. You you shared a couple words there. Begotten is one uh, newer version I'm looking at. It says fathered. Yeah, Mm. has fathered you. So that's begotten to me isn't necessarily a word that really is used much in our language. What is what is that meaning? Really well, saying? I think I think it's 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 saying one thing that he is the unique one. He is okay. the, the 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 supreme. It's a a title of supremacy. Hmm. You you are the 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 unique and, and only one. But but when the apostle Paul in Acts chapter thirteen, and I alluded to this, um, he talks about um, the. Um, the, the, the emphasis of the resurrection. Um, and he, so he goes in verse 26 uh, of, of, Psalm, uh, of Acts 13 uh, for those... Um, wait, he, it just goes th- through the life of Jesus and how he was um, before Pontius Pilate and executed. Verse 29, they carried out all that was written concerning him. They took him down from the cross and laid him in a tomb. But, and then verse 30, God raised him from the dead and for many days he appeared. Um, and so we preach to you, verse 32, this good news, the gospel, of the promise made to the forefathers, mm. to, our far, fa- mm. to our fathers, the promise. Mm. That's the Davidic covenant. That's the coming, the, the promise of the coming king, that God has fulfilled this 
promise to our children and that he raised up Jesus as that it is also written in the second psalm. And so they allude to the second psalm. You are my son and today I've begotten you. Um, raised from the dead. So, so it, Such the resurrection, there. Yeah. yeah, the the resurrection was kind of the coronation of it all. Mm -hmm. Now, Paul also alludes to, alludes to that in Romans chapter one in his introduction of his epistle to the Romans when he says in verse four, referring to the son, um, he was declared the son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead, according to the spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ our Lord, declared uh, with power to be the Son of God. Hmm. So the, that it, it was proclaimed. It was the, the resurrection was the final proof. It was the declaration. It was the today I've begotten you. Yeah. Today you are in evidence to all and, and separated from all others, my only begotten Son. Hmm. The resurrection mm -hmm. declared that. Hmm. And the same we, word is used during the baptism. Yep, right? it was anticipated yep. at the baptism yep. and at the um, uh, transfiguration. Right. Listen to him. This is my this beloved is my son. son. Yeah. Listen to him. And uh, it's interesting, In I, if, just popped in my head here, I think if you go to um, Mark's gospel, and um, if you go to Mark's gospel. I love this. Hear the pages turning. Yeah, right, right, right. This is. If you're driving, you you're, wait to get home. This yeah. is live and on and unedited here. Uh, in Mark's gospel, when you have. Um, Mark specifically alludes to this the Son of God in his introduction and the baptism of Christ, you know, in the transfiguration, which I think is in Mark 9. I'm, I'm not sure. And then you yes. come. Yeah, it is Mark 9. Yes. Yep. And then you come to um, you come to the crucifixion, and uh, you've got uh, in 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 Mark chapter 15, verse 33. The sixth hour came; darkness fell over the whole land for, until the ninth hour. At the ninth hour, Jesus cried out, "Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani," which is translated, "My God, My God, why have you forsaken me?" When some of the by bystanders heard it, they began saying, he's calling for Elijah. Uh, and then verse 37, Jesus uttered a loud cry, which we don't know what that is. He breathed his last. The veil in the temple was torn from top to bottom. And then verse 39, it's just so classic. When the centurion who was standing right in front of him saw the way he breathed his last, he said, truly this man was the Son of God. Mm -hmm. So you've got the pronouncement, the mm -hmm. Son of, uh, this is my beloved Son, uh, or he's, uh, at the baptism, you are my beloved Son. At the mountain of transfiguration, this is my beloved Son, listen to him. Mm -hmm. And at his death, the centurion, the Roman centurion says, mm -hmm. truly this was the Son of God. So neat. Yeah. And, and for yeah. people to think that like Jesus didn't declare himself to be God, yeah. you know, and, and here it's black right. and white, right there, scriptures. Yeah. I mean, he, he's declaring it, other people are declaring it. And then the resurrection is the final declaration. Yeah. Today I've begotten you, you are my beloved son. This is the coronation, this enthronement, this is the king. And so when he go, you go back to the pilot, uh, you know, are you a king? You say correctly that I am king, but my kingdom is not of this realm, it's not sourced, and that's, I tried yeah. to bring that out, it's a preposition of source. My kingdom is not an earthly, it's not like other earthly kingdoms. Now, it doesn't mean it's not going to be an earthly kingdom. Mm -hmm. 
And, yeah. and a lot of people will take it and say, well, there's no earthly realm. He's talking about now the kingdom is set up. And many theologians have taught for the last 2,000 years, the, the kingdom has been, Jesus has been reigning in the kingdom. It's not going. It's not, yeah. it just, it doesn't mesh with scripture. Hmm. Sorry to say, but well, it's funny. I think it's exciting because d- just it's it's good news for us because we don't have to despair because Christ has the final word. He's he's the son of David. He's the son of God. And these like that for us is good news because we're seeing ah it, things are going to be fully consummated one day, and we're gonna we're gonna get to see him um, high and lifted up and. Yeah. Every knee will bow. And now we're back Every to that yeah. will confess. Yeah. And yeah. that pulls us right back to it. Yeah. yeah. And I love it. Thank, thanks for bringing it back to that pilot scene, because that's exactly what I was thinking, to, to kind of come back to where he Jesus is encountering Pilate and talking to him face to face. And Pilate's actually curious and actually questioning him, trying to figure out, like, what is going, really going on with you? Yeah. And for Jesus to say, yes, I am a king, but not of this world. Yeah. I mean, that's got to blow him away. Yeah, and, would, and of course, that was the very thing that brought him, that the Pharisees, the religious leaders, were using to get him crucified, to get mm. him out of the way. <laughs> right. And by the way, I, I think the Pharisees and religious leaders absolutely knew who Jesus was. He was the fulfillment. He was their Messiah. They knew Scripture. They knew Scripture. They knew Daniel, the prophecy of Daniel, the, the timing. All of that came down to, you know, f- 483 years after uh, the decree to rebuild Jerusalem. They had it all countered, uh, counted down. They wanted this guy out of their way because they really thought he was going to be this powerful ruler that would would, would throw off the Roman oppression, would make their life easier, and would actually um, f- continue the game that they had played to bring wealth to their pockets and, mm. you know, with the mm-hmm. Rome out of the way. Yep. And all of a sudden, wait a minute, he's not playing by the rules we wanted to set up. we got to kill this guy. Yeah. And Which so is let's play like the kingship thing. In the Psalm 2 passage, it, that it kind of presents that rebellion, that heart of rebellion. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? Because the though they are plotting in vain they're not going their purposes are not going to stand Christ's purposes are going to yeah. stand and the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the lord and against his anointing say let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us and in our world today jesus is offensive he's um it, you know as as christians we well John 14, 6, I am yeah. the way, the truth, and the life. Very no exclusive. one comes, yes, it's very exclusive. No one comes to the Father except through him. So this Christian faith is to say that Jesus is the only way. That's not palatable yeah. to our culture. It's not no. politically correct. It's not exactly. <laughs> politically correct even in any form. Of the, and even our world. culture today is very rare to understand what a king is. That's and, right. And kind of this kingdom kind of rule. So it's foreign to us, but to them in that time, I mean, that... They absolutely knew what yeah. the king is. And to speak of a future kingdom for us here and now, uh, that's something that we need to really wrestle with right. and understand what does that look like. And don't forget, Jesus told the re- these religious leaders um, that um, you are of your father, the devil. It, it, there's just so many layers of hmm. depth here to, to talk about. So you go back to the very beginning. Uh, Satan, I want to be like God. You know, the, the, the whole fall of Lucifer... He, he wants to be that God. He, he tempts um, Eve and, and Adam. Um, you, you can be like God. I mean, yeah. 
Satan has been hell bent on the overthrow of God and his 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 universal reign. I mean, God, there is a universal reign going on right now. God is King of Kings. Mm. Mm-hmm. But one day there's going to be the earthly manifestation about that, and all throughout the history, God sets up Israel. Israel's going to be through you, all the nations of the earth. Through you, the the seed is going to come. The King mm. is going to come. Mm. So what does Satan do? He tries to um, end all of that. Um, Abraham and Sarah can't have kids. Uh, Sarah's womb is barren. Well, God overthrows that. Oh, God tells Abraham to go to kill Isaac. I mean, the line of the promise. All throughout. Send him into captivity. Send him into captivity. Eliminate them. And yeah. there was one time in Israel's history where it came down to one little boy, little Josiah, who hmm. was... Uh, uh, the boy he, king. Yeah, and he was... He was hidden away and kept safe. You know, mm-hmm. Satan has tried to kill that lineage out, mm-hmm. and then here comes Jesus. And so he even tries to tempt Jesus. I'll tell you what, play with me. Do it my way, Jesus, and I'll give you all these kingdoms. Mm-hmm. In the tra- you know, yeah. I'll give you the kingdom, the nations, because they're mine to give. Mm-hmm. And he, he was right in that. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jesus said no, you know, because he knew that he had to go through the suffering. Yeah. He that was the kingly route he was going through to, to be humble, to humble, yeah. to die, and then be raised in victory and be seated at the right hand and wait the time. Now it's been two thousand years until all the nations will be handed over to him and he will return and mm-hmm. reign supreme. And then Satan will have its his final day and then be cast in the lake of fire. Forever. I love how this goes because I mean we're, we're diving so much deeper than where the sermon even went. I mean just being able to have these conversations roll, scroll through the scriptures going back and forth and be able to wrestle with this stuff is is great. Yeah. And yeah. and after like after his resurrection in Matthew 28 starting in 18 he he's giving us this commission and Jesus came out and said to them all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so we've been given this call to go out and to speak the name of Jesus and to share this good news uh, and to share this story um, so that people can hear and can come to faith and believe Mm. so that they're you and heed the warning that you let's see what did you say kiss the sun or judgment comes yeah and how are they going to know unless we go out and tell them yeah what a great segue into the application concepts and we're talking about a lot of just kind of these stories but then the psalm 2 passage and what does it look like to have jesus to be the king what does it mean to us today and you made that comment that phrase back to psalm 2 kiss the king or kiss the sun, or pay homage to the sun. You, I think you shared that at least mm-hmm. four or five yep. times in your sermon. So yep. that mm-hmm. emphasis has to ring true for you, Mark. And I'm, I'm wanting to see kind of that, how does that apply to our lives today for us to, to kiss the king or to pay homage to the sun? What does that really look like? Well, two things. One is it's, a, it's something we must proclaim, as mm-hmm. Alicia, you were saying. It's something we, we have to proclaim to, to go into the world and proclaim this. When Jesus was resurrected, I, one of the... One of the services, I, I referred to this, I don't think I did to all of them, but Acts 1, when Jesus was, after he was raised for 40 days, he's speaking to his disciples and teaching them about what? The kingdom of God, mm. the coming kingdom. Yeah. I mean, he didn't talk to them about how to set up the church and how to appoint elders and how to do, 
He spent 40 days talking about the kingdom, hmm. so much so that the disciple Peter said, is this the time that we're, you're going to restore the kingdom you know, to Jerusalem? He said, it's not for you to know the times of the epochs mm -hmm. that the Father is fixed, but it's coming. Mm -hmm. and, um, and so there was this proclamation of, of the good news of the gospel, what Christ has done so that you can enter into, we just don't talk enough about the millennial kingdom. Mm -hmm. But it was to, so that you can enter into um, this time that's coming um, where you can work, uh, serve with the king who's going to come here on earth. Um, and, and the Apostle Paul, even, at the last, even at the last uh, chapter in the book of Acts, um, very last verse of Acts, what was Paul doing? He stayed two full years in his own rented quarters and was welcoming all who come, uh, came to him preaching the kingdom of God and teaching concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with all openness and honor. He was still mm. talking about the coming kingdom. Mm. Um, he wasn't talking about the present form of the kingdom. He's talking about this coming kingdom. That's how you have to interpret, yeah. I think, that verse. So application for us, we have to be fixated on not the things of this world, um, but, but the things of the world that is yet to come. We are, we are pilgrims. We are here for a very short time. Philippians is, will, will go on, Paul will, in Philippians will go on and talk about um, uh, um, that, that, that Christ is going to return. And um, we, we're waiting for a Savior who's going to, our citizenship is not here on earth. It's mm -hmm. in heaven mm -hmm. from where we wait for a Savior to come. Um, so we need to be proclaiming this good news. We need to be bringing people into that realm and awaiting the fact that he messiah's going to return and set up his we, kingdom it's important that we question ourselves and how what our view of christ is um especially we're coming out of this christian christmas season is our view of christ just the little baby in the manger that little humble king or is our view of little jesus meek and mild mm. yes meek and mild or is is our view of christ just the savior you know he's he's just saved me or are we broadening our view mm -hmm. from that, the one who is the creator of all things, who yeah. did create the nations, to that one who did humble himself and came and brought us salvation, and now is the coming king and who has all authority, who's sovereignly ruling. There, um, what was it? The, um, the, oh. Okay, in the Revelation passage, mm -hmm. the word diadem, I didn't know what a diadem was, but <laughs> on his head are many diadems. So I looked it up, and it's, it's, it's a jewel crown or a headband worn as a symbol of sovereign, sovereignty, showing authority and dignity. And, you know, that I, I picture Jesus with this you know, many diadems and just a, proclaiming his sovereign authoritative rule, and it's good. It is like he's he's ruling as a king in holiness and in righteousness. So it, that's a question that I think that we need to be asking ourselves as Christians. What is our view of Christ? How are we viewing him? How are we coming to know him? How are we kissing him? How are, how, we, how are we paying homage yes, to him? Yeah. Yes. Worship is so valuable, yeah. so mm -hmm. important, and how we live our lives is an act of worship. I mean, it's it's taking our Christian life seriously because he is sitting at the right hand of the Father. And not just thinking now. of the here and now, but having that anticipation for what's That's to right. come, having that hope and trying to proclaim that to the world. Mm -hmm. So yeah. 
they can see it and hear it as well and not just be focused in this here and now and the chaos of the world. Can you imagine the wake-up call? Yeah. When that last trumpet sounds? <laughs> and I mean, let's, let's you know, after the seven years of tribulation, the Christians are gone anyway for seven years, but yeah. when, when all, the, all this is happening and the armies are arrayed and all of a sudden the heavens open and here comes the, the king, and it just, it's like, like, oh, shoot. Yeah. We, oh, I missed, <laughs> yeah. We yeah. missed this well, one. Well, regardless, yeah. regardless yeah. of how you feel about it, you will be kneeling. That's and right. You will be confessing that Every Jesus Christ is Lord. Yeah. Yes. So it doesn't matter, like, what your thoughts are about that. It, it is who he is, and, so and you will proclaim that. Kiss him now. And I think that's that's what we have to declare. And it's... It's uh, it's difficult. My my uh, my one son um, has a friend whose father is dying, mm. and this father has been somewhat of a reprobate. Not somewhat has been his life, and my son has talked with him in the past, and 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 he got a he got a call here uh, this last week. This could be the last few days, you know, and so. He went out again and just looked him in the eye and says, do, do, are you prepared? You're, you're dying. Are you prepared to meet your creator? This is what Jesus has done for you. This is what he, have you accepted him? Will you accept him? And the guy just kind of rebuffed him. Hmm. And, you know, you're looking into the face of a person who is going to suffer eternal torment. Hmm. Um, and, yeah, I, I think the urgency... I, I sensed it in Psalm 2, written, you know, years, the millennia ago. And it's it's still ever-present in Jesus as he is telling his disciples after he's resurrected. You see it in the urgency all throughout the, the epistles. And um, the, the, kiss the king, or judge, judgment will come. And he, he's so, going to come yeah. with a vengeance, Revelation 19. Be ready. Yeah, be uh, ready. That, that's, you can't get more clear than that. And so as believers, we need to have yeah. our heart ready. You know, so we approach 2021. What, what, what adjustments do we need to, to make in terms of our walk with our King and mm -hmm. our Lord? We, you know, mm -hmm. what, how, how, do we, how do we live this out seriously? Yep. And... Um, um, so I think there's some great applications Good. along those lines. Well, walk us walk us through that. You know, just that quick segue. Next time we gather is going to be 2021. Yeah. And are you getting back into Romans? Kind of where where are we going here for sermons? Well, I think a great way to to worship the King and and pay homage to the King to kiss the King um, as a body of believers is to um, express. Uh, our thanks to him. Uh, that's one of the great acts of worship is to bow before him and praise him and to thank him for, for who he is and what he's done. So as we, next, this coming weekend, the first weekend in 2021, that's what we're going to be doing. We're going to, we're going to, in a very short time, be reminded of the mess of 2020 <laughs> and kind of like, where God, where were you in this past year of 2020? Well, God was all over it. Mm -hmm. And so as a body of believers, we're going to celebrate where God was and how he showed up and so all good. the things that, yeah. or not all the things, but at least some of the things that he impacted our church and our church family um, this past year of 2020 will end with communion. Of course, it's the, be the first weekend of the month. 
and um, but it's going to be a time of celebration it's great. and worship. And Don't miss it. And then we'll pick yeah. up with Romans. Think it back into Romans. Yep. End of Romans 8 for that second yep. weekend of January. That's great. And by the way, for that second week of January, just a reminder from your video, thank you for sending that out, Mark, of kind of where the elders are taking us as a church and recognizing just the, the significance of COVID and having at least one of our four services um, here on campus to be a mask-only service. Yep. So be prepared for that. If you attend that service, you'll you'll want to be prepared 9 a.m. Mm -hmm. to uh, to be able to wear that yeah. mask. And if that's something that you're not comfortable with, or if you have medical conditions, we have three other services, and we are providing plenty of opportunities for you to still gather and we, worship. Again, we just believe it's very important for the body, uh, uh, for believers to gather together, and if that is one way that will help people feel more comfortable and safe to do it. Uh, then we're going to provide that. We have three other services, uh, you know, that will, will be continued like they always have. And, and you're still calling people to wear masks. I mean, sure. still, we need to be safe. We need to be cautious and sensitive to that. Yeah, but we're not requiring it or demanding it yeah. in that sense. The, the 9 o'clock one is going to be, we're, we're going to yeah. ask everyone, when you walk in, put that mask on so that our, the body of Christ that has felt hesitant for 10 months gathering, mm -hmm. uh, may feel a little bit comfortable and um which is, and, which is a large group of people half the it, congregation it's yeah. not a small group of half people of the congregation so not, yeah. thank you for doing that yeah. it it is a way to minister to those folks who have been at home yeah. and i, I so may long. say to those who come on the nine o'clock service who don't wear masks and and whatever please do it or, or go to one of the other services where you you you'll feel more comfortable not to but um if we make announcement like this and we provide a service like this and we're saying it's going to be a mask and then one person walks in without a mask, it's like, <laughs> it's going to be like a bait and switch. So, yeah. you know, no. So just wear the dumb thing and, and let's all worship together. But it, it, again, <laughs> it's for the benefit of the body. Yeah. And we're here. We want to, as Philippians 2 has shared, yeah. to, to follow in his steps yep. and to humble ourselves and treat others more important yeah. than ourselves. And and that's, I, I think that's the ultimate message. Yeah. We, we want to care for our body and for those that really want to gather. Mm -hmm. And let's, hopefully let's that sometime happen. in 2020, we'll get back to some type of a, a normal. Yeah. That's our, that's what we're hoping for. Well, that's, that's good. I mean, and just other things, ministries are, are happening here starting the new year as well. So go to the website for all those details. Go to the website just for updates on, on how we are in this regathering process and any kind of questions that you might have about mask or no mask or COVID regulations and what the church does for cleaning. I mean, there's so many things that go on behind the scenes to, to provide safe um, worship gatherings for everybody. So fbcva.life um, and right there on the homepage, you'll be able to find that stuff. Thanks, guys, for meeting once again, and thank you uh, um, to all of you listeners. Continue to engage us online. You can go to the, the website slash podcast and, and any of the locations where you're listening or watching us. Hello, Caleb. If you're listening and watching at home, we will see you here next week. So thank you um, for letting, us, letting me sit in your hot seat today. <laughs> and uh, you know, for the fact of the matter, guys, sermons are not meant to take on just an hour, but rather transform a lifetime. So until next week. Much love and God bless. Happy New Year.